We'd like to thank Cassiopeia Books for sponsoring Voices and Views. They are located at 606 Central Avenue in downtown Great Falls. Besides being a place to find your favorite books, they also host events with authors, book clubs, and local groups weekly. For special orders or more information, you can reach them at 315-1515. Welcome to Voices and Views on Great Falls Public Radio, KGPR 89.9 FM. I'm your host, Thomas Risberg, and today I have the honor of welcoming Lacey Gallagher, the Health Education Specialist at the Cascade County Health Department, to the show. Lacey, welcome. Thank you, Thomas. We're also in Rotary together. I know. It's a small town. It's that one zero degrees of separation here in Montana, right? Yeah, that's why we live here, right? Amen. I can tell you, I've always said I've lived in close proximity to millions of people my entire life. Great Falls is the first time I ever feel like I've lived in a community and it is legit. People care about each other and I'm just extraordinarily grateful. And I'm grateful that we have wonderful folks like you that are out there every day ensuring that we can live the healthiest lives possible. And that leads to the headline we want to get out for all of our listeners here Tell us about flu season and what we can do about it. Well, as as I was driving to the studio, the signs are already out that you can get your flu shot at the grocery store. And that's a wonderful idea and it's very easy. But the health department will be providing that very same service in about six weeks from now, which is maybe a more ideal time for older adults and children and people of all ages in our community to be getting immunized for the flu. You can get a flu vaccine too early. I think that's really important for folks to know. So you guys have it set up looking at when you know flu cases peak and you have your clinic when you're offering the the vaccines prior to that so that you're getting maximum uh you know immunization right folks having the best time so we do a a drive through clinic over at the fairgrounds the 20th of september and we have a walk-in clinic the following week the 27th of september And that's providing protection to people during Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, into February and March. And believe it or not, six weeks can make a difference if you're exposed to the flu in February and March. And I've even been very sick with the flu in April and may that's how long the flu season can go on in montana there are even cases diagnosed in june so getting a a flu shot in august is perhaps a little early even at the end of september because of the way in which we give the flu shots at the at the fairgrounds Sometimes the weather can be a little tricky for the drive through and even the walk-in. And then sometimes it's beautiful. You know, it's Montana. You get what you get. <laughs> Absolutely. But I think the important thing for our listeners to take away is that the flu vaccine, over time, it becomes less effective. Yes, And indeed. so you really need to be intentional about when you get your shot and that the the health department has all this surveillance data on seeing when cases peak and have incorporated that into when you have the drive-through on September 20th and then the walk-in which i assume is at the health department at at the fairgrounds both at the fairgrounds both at the fairgrounds yes on the 27th yes um 
primarily when we're doing the first one, the drive-through clinic, and everyone that came last year or the year before, we've done several things to improve the way that we deliver the vaccine. Because not only were we giving flu shots last year, we also gave COVID shots. So if you had four people in a vehicle and you're giving them each two shots, it took a little bit of time to get those four people immunized and talk to about the vaccine that they were receiving. It's not just a drive-by immunization clinic. We still give the same quality of care, making sure that people understand what they need to do when they get home, what kind of vaccine they're getting, making sure that we're giving the the right vaccine for that individual. So if I'm in a car behind you and it's just me, I'm wondering what, why did I get in this line? So we're mixing it up this year. And if there's one person in a car, you'll be in a lane. If there's two people in a car, you'll be in a lane. If there's four, three or more people in a car, you'll be in your own lane. And if you're only coming for a flu shot, You'll be in your own lane because we identified last year that some people only wanted a flu shot. Some people only wanted a COVID shot. So we are providing both types of COVID vaccine and flu vaccine. We have standard dose, high dose, egg-free doses. We bring it all with us. So making sure that we're giving the appropriate vaccine for the individual in the car is of great importance to the nurses providing those shots. And it isn't quickly done, but we're changing it up this year, six lanes, and you're going to be queued into a lane that is appropriate for what you came for that day. We don't want to do children. Children being immunized is not always an easy situation, right, mom and dad? So we only want children to come to the walk-in clinic. And we have something unique that we do with the fire department in October. And on Friday afternoons, an ideal day to get a flu shot for your child, we do it at the fire stations. So we will travel from fire station to fire station. We don't know which fire stations today because there is some construction going on at some of those fire stations or I should call it updating. So we haven't quite got the schedule together yet. And then we're also doing it at the library on a Wednesday, right before the kids go out on that little vacation. I think they call it teacher conferences. So we make an opportunity for you to bring your children to a, a setting that's not the doctor's office or the health department itself, because sometimes that can be a trigger for them to go, I'm not getting a shot. Don't you remember that, Thomas? Very much so. Me too. Kicking, screaming. Ah. But at any rate, we try to make the setting a, a safe place for children to come and feel comfortable with getting immunized. So mom and dad can get theirs and the little kids can get theirs. And if mom wants to cry, that's okay too. So we have plenty of options is what we're hearing. But I like to always, you know, for our listeners, right? If you get it done, then it's done. So yes. for our adults, the go-to, because it sounds like we're going to have express lanes. It's going to be thorough but efficient. Yes. So that, to me, you know, I like to just be able to drive through. And that's at September 20th, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the fairgrounds. And that's yes. adults. Something that I want to unpack for our listeners. So we have a standard dose and a high dose. I know you guys accept insurance, including Medicaid. So make sure to bring your insurance cards. And then it'll likely be no cost. But it's, it's, if you don't have insurance, right, it's 40 for the standard, 80 for the high dose. Yes. What is the difference between those two? The high dose was created for older adults. It includes 
extra antibodies for our bodies to more e easily process the vaccine that we've received. And there is four strains in that vaccine versus the standard dose doesn't have that antibody component to it. Both are equally good, but having that additional antibody in the vaccine is a benefit to older adults. Absolutely. And then I, the egg-free means like dairy. Yes. Right. And that's just people that have allergies. Yes, absolutely. And so something that I do want to touch on, because, you know, let's not by, be naive. There's vaccines today here in 2023 are a different issue than they were, you know, in 2020 and before. And something that I just want to touch on is the simplicity in many respects of the science behind it. It, it is just sort of touching your immune system with a dead version of the virus so that you recognize it if you are exposed to the live version of the flu, that your your white blood cells, everything already is ready to react to it. It's like, oh, I recognize you. I've seen you before. That 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 virus that's in your body has already been introduced in a dead vaccine, a dead version of it, so that your body recognizes it and says, oh, I, I know what to do with this and processes it in a way that you don't get severely ill. I'm not going to tell you, you might not have a headache. You might have aches, but you probably aren't going to get pneumonia and end up in the hospital, or it will not be as severe. Each one of us has a unique immune system. And we're all different. You know, someone that got COVID, and oh, it was like a cold to me. Well, you know, to grandma, maybe it was like a cold to her too. But maybe to grandpa, who had an underlying condition, maybe it wasn't the same bodily reaction for him. We're all different. And two people in the same household can have very different reactions because of their own immune system. And sometimes there's things that are underlying that haven't been diagnosed yet because guys like you, Thomas, are not known for taking very good care of themselves. Women go to the doctor every year because we're supposed to. So we're sometimes a little bit more on top of our health and don't need that 30,000-mile checkup like guys do. And I love that because I do think we were talking before, you know, in many respects, you have a lot of people that take better care of their car than they do their own body. And, and I think that there's some element of the urgency or perceived urgency, right, is that health, you know, we talk about a lot, you have things that are, you know, not important, but urgent. We spend a lot of time on that. You have things that are urgent and important. We typically knock those out. And our health is the one that generally is going to fall into extraordinarily important. It's the foundation of a meaningful life. But in each instance, it's generally not urgent. Right. It's long term. And so I guess I just say to our listeners, you know, you, you hear it in many different contexts, right? Uh, an apple a day keeps the doctor away, right? Just the, although that may not be scientifically true, <laughs> the idea I think is that if you do the day-to-day -day stuff, that's going to pay dividends over the long run. Absolutely. The flu vaccine being one of the kind of least intrusive, easiest things you can do that increase the odds that you get through the winter season without getting severely ill. Yes, you know, if you've got two weeks sick leave and can afford to stay home for two weeks, there are very few people I know that when they get sick, stay home. And when you are sick, you should stay home because you don't know who you're coming in contact with that has a compromised immune system that their body can't handle. 
what you're carrying around is what you perceive to be a cold. And cold symptoms and flu symptoms. Uh, how often have you heard somebody say they've got, oh, I just have the flu? Well, really, what you have is a cold. I mean, it's it's difficult to tell. Or somebody that is having a gastrointestinal event believes they have the flu. The flu is pneumonia. The flu is upper respiratory. And a lot of people, you know, have listened to their parents through the years and maybe have a misconception of what flu, COVID, colds, allergies are. Absolutely. And I do think, you know, even the medicines, right? You see, you'll yeah. get it's cold and flu, right? Yeah. Like they're, it's the same medicine. Something that I think is just to get to the real simple basics of it, all of these, whether it's a cold or COVID or the flu, they're all viruses. I mean, I think that's the the Bingo. key distinction, right, is a virus versus a bacterial infection, which can be treated at least to some extent with antibiotics that right. are fundamentally ineffective against viruses. Because I, I, I try to communicate that to folks of like, well, why are we always getting the vaccines to viruses? Because they're not as susceptible to treatment. So you try to prevent because once they're there, there's just not always much you can do other than, you know, keep hydrated and rest. And again, the vaccine is being introduced so that your body recognizes that you've already been introduced to that virus and it knows what to do. It yeah. knows to react and fight that. And I just think that it's your immune system that's fighting that. We all need to keep that in mind that I know you get drawn into the kind of these debates about, you know, I mean, you get into these really esoteric things when we start talking about COVID, right? And and freedom and liberty and and rights versus obligations to your fellow citizen, right? And what we, you know, is justified, right, as a restraint to protect the health of others. And I think those are all well and important conversations to have, but I do think part of what gets lost in that is that we do have a simple, medically sound solution for flu that don't forget is the, you know, the influenza is the other word you hear, right? I mean, that's the Spanish flu that killed millions, right? right. These pandemics that have gone on since the beginning of human history, we've got a great tool in our toolbox and it's simple. That, that's the one that I try to always emphasize is that this isn't like the RNA stuff that you'll hear people with COVID, right? This is your simple dead virus goes in, lets your immune system know there's absolutely no reason, unless you enjoy spending two weeks at home sick, <laughs> that you wouldn't go get this. I can tell you that I was maybe in my 20s. 40s when I got my first flu shot and also got my first pneumonia shot because I had pneumonia for two weeks in the middle of the summer. <laughs> and my doctor said, you are getting a flu shot this fall. You're getting your pneumonia shot now because it's not normal to have pneumonia at the end of July. That's not normal. Well, I'm immune compromised, and my immune compromise affects my lungs. So that ounce of prevention by getting a flu shot, I didn't have pneumonia that winter. I didn't have pneumonia that spring, and I didn't have pneumonia that fall. And quite frankly, I haven't had pneumonia in the last 27 years. Yeah, and I mean, that's the whole goal of this, right? And it's allowed you to live a healthier life. And pneumonia can kill someone. Yeah, you can take an antibiotic, but why would I take an antibiotic? I need to save that in case something severe happens in my life, like a car accident. And I do, I don't want to go too far off the, the rails on the, the whole stuff with antibiotics and getting, right. you know, where you have super bugs, right, that are antibiotic resistant and whatnot. 
But as a general, there's there's two sides to that conversation, right? There's one that's individual to you, meaning the more times, you know, I know some people that they, I think they just like take amoxicillin like a vitamin or something, you know, they're like, well, I just throw it in there, right? And they'll find, to your point, if they ever really, really need it to work, it's not because every, you know, bacterial thing they get is only going to be stuff that's resistant to it because they've made themselves a petri dish for powerful superbugs because the only stuff that gets to them is what's adapted to the presence of antibiotics. I grew up in that generation. And as a child, you know, two and a half, three years old, started on the tetracycline wheel, had my tonsils out when I was in first grade, still sick all the time until I was 18. Tetracycline, got the stain on my teeth. Yes, we can overuse antibiotics. Is that why I'm immune compromised or was I born this way? It's never been conclusive, but I do have to be proactive about my health. And sometimes that involves staying away from sick people, um, washing my hands. It may involve wearing a mask routinely. And as we get into the cold and flu season, I can't risk getting sick again. So it's a choice I make. It shouldn't bother other people that I choose to do that, just like it shouldn't bother other people that I choose to be immunized. And if you choose not to, if that works for you, then bravo. But if there's, I don't want to get shingles. I had chicken pox twice. I missed a really good concert when I was in ninth grade. I don't want shingles. So I got the immunization against shingles. And so far, knock on wood, it's working. But I do like what you say there that I think, you know, we have a tendency in our society now, we're all looking for, you know, kind of, Witches to burn, right? Like the, we're looking for folks that embody the the other, the uncaring, the unenlightened, right? And we've it, have a tendency to moralize every choice that a human being makes. And what I love about what you said there is that you do you, but don't you know, kind of put a stigma on me because I decide personally to prevent, take measures to stay healthy and prevent disease. Yeah. And I, I hope we can move back. And I'm going to take a little side turn here, Lacey. All right. Because it does get to something that I really try to push on with this show, that I, I see our society, we, we've taken this turn towards what I call a culture of contempt, which means we just are looking to like put people's ideas down to to find out why they're wrong, why they're you know, somehow immoral, and we don't actually look beyond the little snippet we get about them, right? So a great example would be during COVID, right? You have a public health officer. They have a very complex job. Any decision they made about requirements that they were going to have, half the people were going to hate them, half were going to, you know, think that they went too far, half were going to think that they didn't go far enough. If you view that human, that person who's making a very tough judgment call solely through the lens of what they decide to do there, you will get a viewpoint on them that is fundamentally at odds with reality. And what we have is this tendency to never look beneath the surface. We just say, oh, they came up with this COVID policy. They're a tyrant. Oh, they came up with this COVID policy. They don't care about their fellow man. And and it just, I see this repeatedly, whereas if we start to understand, I'm not saying we can do this with every person all the time, but in a city like Great Falls, you know, we can know to some extent the people that govern us. That's what's great about small communities. Yeah, It's not some far off person in Washington, D.C. that we're fundamentally incapable of really understanding, but through, but through big news sources. And so, I want to get a sense, Lacey, you know, you've been at this for quite some time now, you know, whether it was at Benefice, you know, or here. And I, I really want to understand 
the values? Like, how did you come to have this career where your kind of main goal, and you can see you have this infectious enthusiasm, is to help people live healthier lives? Well, I grew up in the Midwest. I'm corn-fed, corn-bred, and corn-fused. And the extremes of the weather in the Midwest were not conducive for my health. And back when I was 18, they did diagnose me as having this autoimmune problem. Before they called it autoimmune, they just recognized that for some reason, my lungs, my body wouldn't fight off pneumonia or bronchitis. Was it the Midwest environment, the the heat, the humidity, the air conditioning, the mold, the mildew? And they suggested I move to a drier climate. And at 18, I, it you know, it took me a few years and... I landed up on the Missouri River, just like I, where I was growing up in the Midwest. I ended up on the Missouri River in Great Falls, Montana. The much drier climate was much healthier for me, but I still continued to struggle with getting pneumonia and bronchitis. So there were things that I needed to do for my own health, and that involved exercise, it involved diet, it involved, you know, the things that I did, like getting a good night's sleep. Oh, how many people do you know that struggle with that? That That's like smoking cigarettes if you're not sleeping at night. State that one again for our listeners. That not getting a good night's sleep is just like smoking cigarettes. The same thing with not being physically active. So as I incorporated those things into my lifestyle, I started getting healthier. And at the age of 67, I'm probably as healthy as I've ever been besides that little bout of COVID that I got. But I was out immunizing people during the pandemic, probably about 3,000 people. I was in contact with them. Sure, I used protection, but I was always very proud that I went home and went to bed. I ate good. I drank lots of water. I was living a healthy lifestyle. And that health is important to me. Because I, again, grew up in Iowa, where a lot of my family, like 95% of them, had heart attacks, strokes, high cholesterol, high triglycerides, diabetes, and obesity. Is that because of the corn? Is it because of the lifestyle that they lived? Well, I watched my grandfather struggle with it. And we changed our diet. We changed our lifestyle. And because of those things, I recognized how I wanted to go through life. And then I married someone that believes in that lifestyle also. So I don't want to put words in your mouth too much. But so when we get back to values and where that's formed, what I hear is that you got into health because of love of family. You saw how, you know, whether it was diabetes or, you know, the heart disease, all these things, you saw the way that they lived their life. You saw the consequences of that. And I'm assuming you probably lost loved ones much earlier than, you know, you would have liked to. Absolutely. And and so I just think if our listeners can take something away from that, right, it's, wow, I think we can all identify with love of family, right? And so you take that and you say, oh, so Lacey, why she does all these things, whether it's flu, right, whether it's COVID, it's because she's seen her family that didn't take steps, you know, prevention type steps to protect their health. She saw them die early and she loved them. And I think then, you know, regardless of what you think about any individual decision that the health department may make. You can see, hey, they've got a person there that loves their family. That's why they got into this. And it makes it 
easier, I think, for us to still disagree. And there's nothing wrong. That's what makes any society great is pluralism and uh, differing views, but to not demonize. Right, exactly. I also teach classes through the health department for older adults, fall prevention. Do you know that one in three Montanans will die from a fall? They'll be hospitalized. And if, if you're an older adult, you lose your independence. So being able to teach people techniques that they can use in their home, a few exercises that they can do to build their strength. I work with aging services and MSU Extension in, in presenting these classes to the community. And then we have an exercise class that helps people build strength, and it goes on over a 12-week period. I teach a hypertension program, which is known as high blood pressure. Do you know your number, Thomas? I'm fairly certain I know my, I'm like one, 17 over 60. I think he's struggling to answer my question and just grab numbers out of the air. But you gave me a better answer than most people your age because they say, oh, my number's good. My doctor knows my number. You need to know your number. What if you end up in urgent care and your blood pressure's 190 over 120? Do you think that's normal? No. No. You're right. It is not normal. People need to know their number, and they need to be on top of it. Oh, I take medication. My number is great. Well, uh, mm, that's good that you're taking your medication because having high blood pressure year after year, starting at the age of 30, and then you finally go to a doctor when you're 50, maybe it's because you were in a car accident. I know I'm big on car accidents today. But usually that's when somebody goes to the emergency room and they go, "Mm, your number is, and they might look at your number and say, well, you were in a car accident. Of course, your your blood pressure is going to be high. But if you tell them, "Uh, no, that's my number, that gives them a clue of what they're dealing with. Knowing your number is important. And I can teach you how to lower your number, perhaps. See, I love that because I've always thought we're attracted as humans to the novel, right? And so you'll hear about all these, you know, very, uh, what's the the latest, the the horrible wildfire in uh, Hawaii, right? That oh. we well, don't what even about know the one in Canada? how many people that killed. Yeah. But at the end of the day, right, you're looking at something that's in the hundreds likely, maybe a thousand. We get falls, right? Yes. One in every three. In Montana. In Montana may die of a fall. So even in a, in a state like Montana, right, we're talking about tens of thousands of people. And yet, when, did, when was the last time you heard on the nightly news a story about fall prevention? Yeah, it's not sexy at all. And I just think that that's something that we need to, as a society, think about is, our natural inclination, right? If it bleeds, it leads. Yes. And yet where you, what you'll run into is you see, you know, I, it, it wouldn't be problematic if you didn't then see a misallocation of resources, right? Where you'll see, okay, we need to spend billions of dollars. We can't have any of that ever again, right? Where it's a, a, a relatively rare event, right? And then we have nothing for the Lacey's of the world teaching a fall prevention class here to seniors that's saving, you know, dozens of lives at a very low cost. We're older adults, not seniors. We're older adults. I'm sorry, I, I need to get my nomenclature correct on yes, that. You so do. there's senior is out. Seniors out. We're older adults. So is it now are we changing that going down? So is a senior in high school out? Uh, no. I think that's okay. Okay. So we still that's, I love that's a badge of uh accomplishment if you're a senior in high school and i i like we should go even further so it's not older adults should we say well-seasoned adults i like that idea but that might be a piece of meat i know i was gonna say it sounds a little (laughs) bit too much like a a roast but (laughs) duly noted yes senior is out yeah older Older adult adult Mm -hmm. 
is in. You bet. Okay. Well, I love giving these simple classes to older adults and how profound that can be in protecting their their independence, right, from having a fall and then their life. I had an individual that was in a class that I taught this spring, and she always had her cane with her when she came. And we got to the end of seven weeks, and I mentioned that we were going to start this exercise class that somewhat of a continuation of fall prevention. And by golly, she showed up for the first class we had. And one of the tests that we do, because it's evidence-based teaching, we do this stand up out of a chair and sit back down. And how many times can you do it in 30 seconds? And she said to me, Lacey, when I started the fall prevention class, I couldn't stand up from a chair without holding on to something to get up. And now I can. And she beat me hands down at how many she did in 30 seconds. And now, after being in our, our exercise class for six and a half weeks, she said, and now I'm not using my cane all the time. What we see is independence. And that's the gift that we can give to these older adults that are seeking to stay in their home, be strong, do the things they like to do in their homes and outdoors, and have the stamina to be able to do it. Yeah, and I love that. You know, again, it sounds mundane, right? Standing up, sitting down, standing up, sitting down. But ask yourself, how many times do you do that every day? How many people do we have that struggle with that? How many yes. people could really benefit and change their life when they, one, can sit up and stand up, and then, two, now they're walking without a cane? Yes. it. That's what turns me on. That's what fills my cup. Am I going to do that with everyone? No. But for those that want to come and learn how to do it, it is so beneficial to the teachers teaching the class. And the state of Montana has a program that we've implemented in our county, and people are coming to it. Not only in Great Falls, but they're doing it in Belt, and we're going to Sun River this fall. Would this be something where the health department could go out to, say, a, a, a retirement home, an independent living facility, and do a class for the residents there? Oh, yes, I've done that. Okay, so I think that's a big one, that if you have a family member that's in you know, a retirement home, a nursing home, whatever it might be, that has a critical mass of folks there that could really benefit from this, they go on the road. That's right. That is that is the goal of aging services with your public health department. That's part of what we do is trying to keep our community healthy. And I want to make sure now, so we've talked a lot about flu season, vaccinations, and then some of these, you know, simple, the, the fall classes and whatnot. Just give for our listeners a broad overview kind of of the categories in prevention that are within your purview. I also administer a breast and cervical program that provides screening and diagnostic services for cervical cancer and breast cancer. And it's a program that is funded by the CDC to the state of Montana that trickles down to 15 regions in Montana. So there are people around the state doing the same thing as I. So it might be a woman that doesn't have insurance, but it could also be a woman who does have insurance but has a large deductible that maybe needs to have something after a mammogram, such as a diagnostic mammogram or a diagnostic ultrasound or maybe even a 
biopsy, the program, if they financially qualify, would pay for that. It's a benefit to women that, you know, I pay my monthly premium and I think that's a lot of money. And then I have a deductible that's $6,500. I can't afford to go get that ultrasound. That program is that stopgap and, and will help pay for that stopgap for women. Wow. So that's really, really important, I think, to get out to all our listeners. So if you're that person that has insurance yes, and, you know, has a relatively high deductible, which I think is a lot of us. Yes. If you come to CCHD for the, the services around, you know, like a mammogram and whatnot, and there's follow-ups needed, that's going to get covered under the cost so it's not part of your deductible. It, your deductible will still come into play. We'll just pay that portion. It'll still go to your deductible. I'll just pick up that cost. I've got it. So yeah. it's it's still you're paying down your deductible with it. It's just the money is coming from the program. The program, yes. Wow. I mean, I think that's a huge one. I also provide fecal immune testing, which is for colorectal cancer. People that are aged 45 and older should be being screened for colorectal cancer. When you catch something early, when it's very small, it doesn't turn into a great big, you know, stage whatever colorectal cancer. So they can remove polyps. My test doesn't remove polyps, but it may help identify if you need to go for the gold standard colonoscopy. And is that the PSAs that you talk about? What What is the measure of, that you get? The fecal immune test is different than a prostate-specific antigen. That's guy stuff. Guys need to have that done. I don't have tests for that, sorry. But if you went to your healthcare provider and they did a PSA, it's a blood test. And guys like blood tests. They don't like the other tests, the DRE. Ah. <laughs> and that's why you avoid seeing the physician, isn't it? There's a lot of truth to that. Yes, Lacey. I know that. I'm married to a guy a lot of years. And that is why he didn't go to the doctor for a lot of years. Mm -hmm. You guys are predictable. Remember the car analogy, your vehicle? Uh-huh. Oh, it is funny that I think all of us, you know, it's like now, I always joke that now being a square is like an act of rebellion. You know, like when I was a kid, having a tattoo was like, ooh, what a rebel. And now it's like not having a tattoo is uh, the rebel. I am a rebel. I have no tattoos. You're right. One of the other things that we do within our health department's prevention services, bats, rabies, dog bites. Yes, we have to investigate those calls. And, you know, I hear a lot of things about bats because I work in a cubicle. So there's, you know, that time of year and bats and so forth. Then we also provide childhood immunizations, travel immunizations. We keep track of your immunization record. If you're looking to find out what your child might be delinquent on, or maybe your daughter is having a baby and she's telling you, you can't be around the baby until you get your Tdap. We knew it as DPT shots, but now it's called a Tdap. You need to come in and get immunized before you can see the baby because I don't want to be passing on that whooping cough to my child. That's what I, I wanted to get. And is that diphtheria too? Diphtheria, pertussis, and tetanus is what they stand for. Yeah. And then the other one, and this is so a it's question. It's not diphtheria, it's pertussis. We don't want to be passing along pertussis. Something that I've always been intrigued by. So, you know, you've heard a lot of like anti-vaxxers going back for a long time, right? And this used to be kind of like a new age aspect, right? People say, oh, we want to go all herbal and natural. And, 
you know, there'd been ideas it was linked to autism, all kinds of interesting theories. What I want to know is in Cascade County, and if you have access to this data, over, let's say, the last decade, has there been a noticeable statistical decline in the number of people, percentage of kids that are getting, like, their measles, mumps, rubella? Well, we had a we have nursing students that do their practicums with us, and the University of Montana did a presentation, and there were some numbers thrown about for the state. Hmm. I think the state data collection may be a better resource if your listeners are looking for that information. It doesn't dial down necessarily county by county. And I have a a good friend whose children are in that category of, oh, we give our children so many immunizations these days. Well, go to the cemetery and walk around and look at the 30s and the 40s and the 50s of babies that have headstones in the cemetery. You know, we didn't have a polio vaccine that we administered until the 1950s. And mumps, measles, and rubella. I had all three of those viruses in my body. I had mumps twice. I had measles twice. I had rubella. I was fortunate that I survived those things because there were children that did not survive. And was it the measles or was it the meningitis that they got? Helen Keller, why did she go deaf and blind? Yes, measles. And I do think that in part we've lost our sense of the scourges that these diseases were and, you know, just have kind of become complacent, right? So one that always sticks in my mind in terms of how many kids used to die, this was in like 1910 data. Yeah, It's like in 1910, it's like one in three kids used to die before the age of five. I, I don't think there's any appreciation for right. the magnitude of suffering that these diseases that are now readily preventable through vaccines were. And I think that's why we see the the kind of cavalier attitude that's taken to it in, in many respects is that there is still, and I think this is something our listeners need to understand, right, is that herd immunity, right? That right. if you have enough people that are vaccinated, the unvaccinated don't suffer the consequences they otherwise would because the the viruses don't transmit because there's not enough hosts. Right. And and I think that that's something, though, where you hear of, like, measles coming back, right? And I, I think we really need to take stock of, of what a different world we live in, and yeah. particularly in the United States around diseases. I mean, I think... Tuberculosis, I think, killed, you know, it's like one in three of every human that's ever lived. And not that tuberculosis isn't a major issue today, but it's magnitudes less through the, the, the health that we've, our public health, right, is through getting on top of these things. And I, I think our listeners really need to, to take stock of that, is that, yes, while these diseases may not be pertinent to your day-to-day life, in a way that they would have been, you know, kind of that sort of Damocles hanging over people for millennia. It is not inevitable that if we stop taking these measures, they they won't come back. Exactly. They've got a chickenpox vaccine now. So children don't get chickenpox. If you don't get chickenpox, you're not going to get shingles. I had chickenpox twice. I've had my shingle shot twice because I don't want to get shingles. I've been told it is the worst thing you could ever experience as far as pain. It's like having a heart attack. And of course, if it happens on your face, around your eye area, 
Yes, it can cause serious complications and in severe cases, even blindness. We have a vaccine that can prevent cancer. HPV, human papillomavirus. If you want to do a science project and investigate what human papillomavirus really is and what it's caused, women have been getting um, cervical screenings for most of their adult lives because that's what we're surveilling is have you been exposed what can we do to treat it? Women rarely die from cervical cancer unless they've ignored going to their doctor on a yearly basis. And it even takes longer than that for it to, you know, formulate into a cancer that would kill you. But the human papillomavirus is the cause of five different kinds of cancer. And in men, it's, it's presenting itself primarily as oral cancer, head and neck cancer. And head and neck cancer can also move in to your lung. So there are certain populations of people that are very good at making sure their children are immunized. And when the vaccine was originally rolled out back in the early 2000s, you know, the, it, they did a real poor job of managing up who should be immunized at what age, for how long. Now they've expanded it so you can be immunized up to the age of 45. And this was the one that was under the brand name of Gardasil, right? I remember when this came out. There was a Gardasil product on the market, yes. Okay, because I do think HPV is one of those that in certain populations is quite prevalent, right? Like Men and women both get HPV. Because you had heard about it as affecting women, right? I mean, that's yeah. the messaging I remember. I remember in that era it was linked to cervical cancer and that young females needed to get vaccinated. That, that, was that, the, that was the message. That was the original mes messaging. I can tell you in Australia, they rolled out the vaccine at the same time. It just became a part of childhood vaccines, and they will have eradicated human papillomavirus by the year 2030. Yeah, and we're not even close. No, it won't happen in my lifetime, no. Yeah, I do think that tells you about, you know... So I'm, I'm very passionate about the health of people. And when I know information, I like to share that with people, be it about sexual health, physical health, older adults, and what they can do to be healthier, younger people, what they can do to be healthier, uh, you know, the health department is really there to serve the health of the community. And that includes inspecting restaurants, tattoo parlors, swimming pools, bat situations, making sure that um, septic tanks are put in the ground correctly. We have Family Health Services that provides support to women, infant, and children. And they have a strong program to make sure that when children are born that they feel supported in how they feed their children, make sure they're growing. There's a lot of programs at your county health department that you probably don't never knew that we even did them. We're just the people to do flu shots. And by golly, we're going to do flu shots in September. Absolutely. And I and October. The, the one, though, that I want to really reiterate there is that it's almost if the public, when everything is going well, right, it's like public health department is invisible. Right. And I do think that people need to understand pre-COVID, 
There was still the public health department. It was doing a ton for pregnant newborn women, for people having falls, for, you know, this wide variety of health issues that but for there's no one else doing this right is what i'm trying to get at it's exactly like, there's this huge benefit that we receive and and it, it's it's invisible if you're kind of just going about your day-to-day business i mean i always say it it's like the garbage collection or your electricity right like most people don't think like, oh, man, am I so grateful that every <laughs> Friday my trash gets picked up. But sure enough, I'll tell you what, if it didn't get picked up for a couple weeks in a row, boy, you'd you'd feel it. You'd we might know. be New York City then. You know, the Clean Indoor Air Act being implemented in the state of Montana, we have a gentleman that that's his role at the health department. And when you go out to a restaurant, isn't it lovely that, you know, you can eat your meal and there is no smoking. I mean, I remember working at a local healthcare institution where you could smoke at your desk. That was in the 80s. And then they moved it to, you could smoke in the cafeteria. And then it was moved to, you could smoke out in the smoking den, which was an outdoor area created for people to smoke. And then it came, no smoking in the facility. It's a healthcare facility. You know, over time, things change. Attitudes change. I remember when car dealers, I mean car manufacturers, decided that we didn't really want airbags in our cars. Now I wouldn't buy a car if it didn't have airbags all the way around it and seatbelts. We have come a long way since the 1950s when the polio vaccine was distributed because Elvis Presley came on TV for the March of Dimes and got immunized on TV, and people went out and got polio vaccines the next day. We need a spokesperson sometimes that raises awareness about what vaccine can do for you. And there were children that died because of polio, and we don't ever want to see that happen again. That's why as Rotarians, we fight to eliminate polio in the world. And we do it every year, and we're very loud about how we can do it. And Thomas, we do a shred event where there's always someone that shows up with a small shoebox of something to get shredded in the shredathon that we do to raise money. And they tell me the story of a brother or sister or child that's no longer with them because of polio. It's impactful. And that's sometimes what we forget is although we've come a long way, sometimes there isn't an antibiotic or medication that will cure whatever it is you got exposed to and your body can't fight off. That's why I'm passionate about our health and what we can do to be healthy as a Rotarian and what I do in my everyday work life. I couldn't have had a better wrap-up than that. (laughs) I will just conclude by saying... It's been an absolute pleasure and an honor to have you on, Lacey, and I'm uh, deeply grateful for everything you do to, to keep our community healthy. Well, thank you. If you're looking for more information about the flu and COVID clinics offered in September 2023, visit us at our social media or website, cchdmt.org. Or you can call us at 406-791-2063. 
You've been listening to Voices and Views on Great Falls Public Radio, KGPR 89.9 FM. And that was Lacey Gallagher, the health education specialist at the City County Health Department of Cascade County. Thank you all for listening and check in with you in two weeks. for listening. If you'd like more information about KGPR, please visit our website, kgpr.org, where you can find a link to donate, links to all of our other locally produced programming, and information about your local voice, KGPR Great Falls.